Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop, the deep dive trivia, the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day. All with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine, a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts. Shockwaves video cast presented by Bob Malbandian, host of the Shockwaves slash hard radio podcast on hardradio.com and the Shockwaves Skull Sessions podcast on roadrunnerrecords.com slash Skull Sessions. All right, so now I got to say something uh, about uh, Thin Lizzy and and your drumming in particular. I mean, so many people uh, you know distinguish Thin Lizzy with you know Phil's vocals, obviously, which was such a huge uh, identity. And I just talked to uh, uh, you know Ricky and Damon about the guitars too, where yeah. the harmony guitars were definitely a staple of the Thin Lizzy sound. But something about your drumming was absolutely important to the sound of Thin Lizzy. I mean, I, I remember telling Adam after I saw the rehearsal with you guys when you came back, and, and no disrespect to, to Tommy Aldridge, he's obviously a fantastic drummer, but having you back uh, playing the Thin Lizzy songs, I'm like, that's it. That's Thin Lizzy. Yeah. There's certain things you do or a certain style that cannot be replicated. Right, right. It, it is, it is I think really that goes. I, I tell you that. I think that's, that's nice. Thank you very much. But I think that kind of goes back to the time I uh, actually met Philip Forrest when we had a band called the Black Eagles in Dublin. Mm -hmm. And when he was uh, in that band, I used to go and see that band before I joined. And the, um, the bass player, uh, a guy called Danny Smith, uh, I always thought he was a fantastic player. You know, Obviously Phil was influenced by him as well. But when, we, when he eventually sort of picked up the bass and uh, started playing with the band, we kind of, you know, got this kind of, uh, kind of thing together where we uh, discussed before we actually started playing how this, you know, rhythm section is going to sound. And from that, that time, I remember distinctly Phil was very conscious of getting a, uh, a good, tight rhythm section together, you know. Right. And a lot of it was, was, was down to, obviously, listening to all our influences back then, from blues and soul, and even touches of jazz, and uh, obviously pop music. And, uh, you know, we, we used to sit down and practice uh, together in, mm -hmm. in, our, you know, in our room, in the bedroom, wherever. And it became very tight. So a lot of that stuff came from 
from those gigs way back with the Black Eagles and wow. sort of carried on now. Although he wasn't playing bass then, but we were still... He was, was just still, a frontman singer. He was, he was wow. a frontman singer, yeah. But then when eventually he, he decided to take up the bass with, when we formed Thermizzi, he really, uh, really practiced quite hard to get a, his sound and his, his technique right. Right. Well, I gotta say, going back to the '70s, I mean, uh, the, the, the Thin Lizzy sound was so enormously diverse. Uh, you talk about all your different influences, but you know, a lot of bands from the '70s. You could go, you know, you know, Queen, uh, you know, uh, UFO, uh, Deep Purple, obviously Led Zeppelin, Nazareth. A lot of these bands that were in the hard rock metal kind of category were incredibly diverse. Every song was different. Yeah. Thin Lizzy, absolutely. With yeah. every single album, you could do a blues song, you could do uh, an Irish folk song, you could do a, uh, you know, and you could hit hard, as, yeah. as hard as, uh, you know, Judas Priest or Black Sabbath right. or any metal band of that time. And then you could do something like Fats or Dancing in the Moonlight, yeah. which is almost a Steely Danish kind of flavor. You had a little bit of jazz and everything. You know, in the 80s, everything became so formulated with the radio and MTV and, and all that. Going back to the seventies, writing-wise, it, it seemed like you just had the freedom to do what you wanted. You Is know, that kind of the case? That's absolutely true. That's mm -hmm. exactly what, what it was about. But I mean, you know, when we started off, the funny thing was when we signed the Decca Records, you know, we we just got the freedom of the whole studio. I mean, they they just let us do anything we wanted to do, and it was just incredible to know that you could come into the studio mm -hmm. and play your stuff the way you wanted to play without any interference from the record companies. And, and uh, that was the time you could do that. Right. Obviously, as you said, that changed in the 80s and mm -hmm. it became fairly, you know, state and formulaic. So, I mean, those days were really, really, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think we'd see those days again where you could have yeah. that. So. Well, i got to say, even through the 80s with Thin Lizzy, up into Thunder and Lightning, still the same formula. Yeah. Where you just, you know, yeah. did what uh, you wanted and it had such a divert. And that was a Thin Lizzy, you know, you couldn't distinct the Thin Lizzy sound to one. Genre? No, and that was you could. I mean, so John, when John Sykes came in, I mean, John was a completely different guitar player than, than the rest of the guys. He's more, uh, he was more heavy, you know. And that's obviously what we wanted. I know, right. you know, we, we actually went out of our way to see John a few times before he came in. Uh, he was with the Tigers of Pantang at the time, right. and uh, I was just amazed when I saw John. You know, the first time I saw John, it just, just blew me away. But and Phil, you know, he's starting to write a bit, you know, harder. Right. And um, you know, and Chris Tangaridis, our, our record producer, he uh, he sort of said, you know, I mean, why don't you just get ask John and get him in? I mean, he obviously he'd love to love to join your band, and that's what we did. We approached John one day, and true Chris, and uh, John said, yeah, you know, I'd love to play with you guys. So we got him down. We had a, a couple of days rehearsal with with, with with John, and he just fitted in so well. Mm, he really right did. On. You know, it was just really good. And we went into the studio, and it was like. You know, a couple of weeks, maybe what, two weeks rehearsal, went into the studio and absolutely no problem putting wow. that stuff down. You know. Such a fantastic yeah. album. Yeah, it's a really nice album. Mm -hmm. You've worked, I talked about producers, you've worked with so many different producers, Thin Lizzy, uh, of course, Chris DeSangarides, uh, John Alcott, uh, Tony Visconti. What are some of your favorite producers working with, with Thin Lizzy? Well, I, you know, I, quite honestly, I, I thought, you know, Tony Visconti was really, really good. Yeah. I mean, t Tony, you'd walk into the studio, you'd have the drums set up in, in a different part of the studio than you'd expect, and you kind of go, well, what are we doing here? He said, well, I have these Perspex screens. I'm going to put them around the drums to make them liver, right. make it sound live. So great, you know. So, you know, you come in the next the day after, and the drums would be somewhere else in the studio <laughs> for a completely different sound. So he had great ideas about drums, you know, and, he, and, 
and he was really, um, he was really, really good when it came to editing the tapes as well. You know, he's really. It was the days when you get the old razor blade out and you sort of, right, right. you know, you know, chop a piece here and a piece there, and he'd be so precise, you know. But um, we didn't have to do that much, obviously. But I mean, there was some some songs where you know he'd be experimenting about taking this verse out, maybe trying, you know, this and whatever. You know. So he'd do that. And but the guy had just so many ideas, and uh, and you know, also you know, um, you know, he was really like he was very experienced. I mean, so was John Alcott, but Tony seemed to have a lot of experience yeah. with David Bowie and all the rest of the guys he, was, he worked with. You know, it was just great. In 2005, you did the One Night in Dublin with Gary Moore, yeah. and of course Scott Gorham, Brian Robertson, the whole Snowy White. That's right. uh, how was that experience? Can you talk about that? Well, that was just an unbelievable experience. I mean, um, I, I got a call out of the blue by, from Gary. You know, and Gary. Uh, you know, you, obviously he used to call me. Up, you know, just to say hello, but this particular night he called and he said, uh, like I've got an idea, you know, Phil's uh, 20th anniversary is coming up. I said, yeah, you're coming over. He said, well, I am coming over, but I want, uh, I want something to happen musically. Mm. I said, well, that's, that's pretty good, you know, let's, let's do something, because, you know, there was uh, a vibe for Phil happening then anyway. Right. So that's, that was happening, but he said, you know, let's get something on a bigger scale than the vibe for Phil. Let's get sort of a big uh, auditorium like the, the Point Theatre in Dublin. And let's do something. And I said, yeah, why not? Who do you, what do you have in mind? He said, just let's get Gary and Brian Robertson and uh, Scott uh, all together and, and uh, just have a, a good concert. And he, he actually, he sort of arranged all that for, by himself. He called everybody up. He got, he got everybody, all the video guys in and he, he basically sing, single-handedly uh, organized the whole thing. And he was just great. So we had a couple of rehearsals. Uh, you know, and I did the whole show, and I knew uh, he wanted me for the whole show. Right. There was no question of getting another drummer, but he wanted obviously guys to come on and you know, play a couple of tunes, go off, and you know. So Eric and they all came on, did a one or two tunes, as you know. And it was just a great night, and, and the crowd loved it. You know, it was really fantastic. Wow. Audience, uh, really great DVD. Yeah, Unbelievable. brilliant DVD. Yeah. Absolutely. You still talk to Eric Bell? Is he still active? Yeah, yeah. you know, Eric lives, in, lives in, in Ireland now, you know, he moved yeah. back from, oh, from London, right. so he lives in, so that's where I live in, in Dublin, he lives in, in Cork, it's a yeah. bit of a distance, but I do see him. Right. We actually had a, uh, for Gary Moore, in fact, we had this kind of a uh, tribute gig mm. in, in a oh, place nice. in Dublin called Whelan's, and we had a, a whole night there, so I, I played a rocker, and I played Whisk in the Jar, and I played, I played some other stuff, and it went down really well with Eric, and he's, he's playing superbly. All right. What's your favorite Thin Lizzy song to play? Well, that's, that's a really hard one. Well, that's, you know, that's really hard. Um, well, I suppose, you know, Shalala yeah. was a drum solo, yeah. you know, because it's a drum solo, but sure. it's, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, there's so many really good tunes. Mm. It's really, really hard to say. Um, you know, just going back from to the early first album, I suppose, Honesty is No Excuse is a great song. Mm. You know, wow. on, on the second, right. and then, yeah, Vagabonds in Western World, and gone up, up to uh, Angel from the Coast, you know, mm -hmm. Romeo and the Lonely Girl, yeah. all those tunes. Journey to Fox. Uh, I've got so many. I've got so many favorites. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is a hard uh, question to answer, but if, if uh, Phil were alive today, with Thin Lizzy in 2011, you know, obviously we talked about how diverse the sound was and how many different influences. Uh, Thin Lizzy has. What, what do you? What direction do you see uh, that album? Yeah. You, you know, 
if just before Phil died, you know, it's like, uh, you know, before Phil died, he actually, you know, kind of asked me to come down to the house. But I was actually uh, in London. He, uh, I said I was coming over, and he, he uh, said, yeah, "Come down, let's have a, ch have a chat about a, a reunion." You know. So I said, "Well, that's, that sounds pretty good," you know. So when I was there, he was he was saying he was doing all sorts of, uh, you know, new tunes, and he had like, you know, these kind of early rap kind of things going. You know that. Wow. Yeah. That uh, you know, it was just. So this was starting. This is about eighty-five. Yeah. yeah. Wow. About sort of maybe November '85, you know, just about a, about a month before he died. But I mean, he, he had all these ideas, and he was telling me, you know, he was listening to all these uh, diverse kind of tunes and music. You know, and I said that was, that's great, you know, because he obviously had Grand Slam there, and, and right. uh, he was kind of trying to get off that kind of track, you know, and, and try something completely different. Mm -hmm. and, and I said, you know, that's that's just amazing. So he, he played me a couple of things on acoustic guitar. And uh, he had lots of like, you know, really quick fire lyrics there, you know. It really sounded good. And you know, and I said to him, I said, I'd love to get into the studio after Christmas and try some of this stuff, you know. He says, Yeah, why, why not? Let's call the guys up and maybe we can organise something after Christmas, you know. But obviously that wasn't today. You know? But he had, a, he, he definitely had some new ideas. You know? Speaking of ideas, I know there was a, a problem as far as recording new material, but I, I understand you might be working something out to do some uh, possible new Thin Lizzy yeah, materials. Yeah, you know, I mean, Ricky has, has got some great lyrics uh, lined up, and there's also there's also some nice uh, melodies knocking around that we, we know that that's, you know, could be easy to record. So, you know, hopefully, uh, you never know, in the next six months we might get into the studio and, and try something. Right. Yeah. So. Well, something definitely to look forward to. All right, definitely catch Thin Lizzy on tour with Judas Priest. Cheers, man. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Appreciate it, man.